It's kind of like hardware or software. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to put into words. Nowhere. And there's and there's people that are going through things that they need help. You know what I mean? And I didn't, I'm not saying that this person didn't need help. I'm just saying that to me, the kind of help he needed wasn't to get, basically wasn't to lose his job, wasn't to lose his income. Sean Lewis is a retired Navy chief, a life coach, and dedicated advocate for transitioning service members and veterans. Sean and I discuss his passion for helping others and services available to those who are transitioning from the military. Sean? Hey, Ryan. Hey, how's it going, man? Can you hear me okay? I, can, I sure can. Can you hear me? I can. It sounds a bit echoey. Where Where are you at? In your garage? No, I'm in my I'm in my uh, living room. Uh, oh, okay. And uh, well, I got you know my I have a little side area off you know off to the side and you know part of my living room here, but so it's my little office. Okay. Uh, yeah, my my actually yeah. my office sounds like that too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's going on, man? Everything good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all good, man. I appreciate you taking the time to actually sit down and talk with me. Um, you know, love the support. Yeah. Glad you're doing so, this, man. Good stuff. What's that? I said, glad you're, you're doing this. This is good stuff, man. Yeah, I heard that uh, you were trying to get into this space, too, the podcasting space. What What's going on with that? Well, not a whole lot. Um, you know, I'm really trying to find a job right now. But, uh, you know, I was just looking at something. I think last week I told you I, I ordered my kit and everything. But, you know, really what I need to be doing is to kind of writing some stuff down. And, and you know, I have a couple of ideas, you know, how to start it off, you know. But I got to just kind of think about, you know, uh, you know, topics of conversation and, and you know, things like that to kind of, you know, keep things moving. So there's, you know, cut down on the, you know, the silence and, all, you know, the, the you know, kind of empty, you know, uh, spots or whatever. But, you yeah. know, I just want to focus on you know, focus on, you know, some of the challenges and uh, that transitioning service members face, some success stories, some resources that are out there, you know, things like that. And, you know, just, you know, way, you know, just to be another resource for people to, you know, uh, log on to and be able to say, oh, yeah, I heard that. I heard about this. And I heard about that resource or whatever. And, um, you know, be able to use it. Um, and, um, you know, if they get anything out of that, you know, hopefully, you know, find their career opportunities and, and that type of thing and or some other form of fulfillment because they found a resource that I had and uh, that I, that I was able to promote or something like that, you know? So, yeah, uh, because you're, you're prior military and you're pretty passionate about helping transitioning, tra- transitioning military members, yeah. um, you know, basically lead them to a successful path uh, right. in getting a job afterwards. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not too passionate though. <laughs> I got to pull back a little bit. I think you know. Um, I mean, and, and and I only say that because you know I, I've just had some experiences where you know I mean you know I you know and you know this because you know I, we talked about this. I, I was a chief in the Navy, and uh, you know that to me that that's probably you know the pinnacle of my career in the in the Navy. I never thought you know, I, I thought being a second class was, uh, you know, E5 was, was like it. Cause I could do anything when I was E5, uh, or I was a second class petty officer, but, uh, mm-hmm. I, I found that, you know, when I made chief, man, I could, that, you know, I, I could do damn near everything, but there was 
also kind of a dark side to or a downside to that. And there's some things that you just, you know, you can't do anymore. A dark but, side or a downside or both? Both. Both. <laughs> I guess, you know, not to, not to, you know, bash it or anything. I, I, I know. I just mean that, you know, um, when, when you, I, I guess when you, uh, I don't know. I mean, if you care more about something or someone or an issue more than the chain of command or, you know, your leadership, you know, that can tend to have a, um, a negative effect on you. I'll give an example. You know, um, there was a guy, um, you know, that, uh, and I was a torpedo man. He was a torpedo man, you know, so I love all my torpedo men, you know, and, um, uh, he, you know, he was going through some, you know, uh, issues, you know, as, you know, young men do, you know, with their personal life or whatever, you know, and, you know, I, I, I feel for him, you know, I felt for him, you know, but I mean, you know, I felt like, you know, Hey, listen, you know, it is what it is. You know, sometimes they love you. Sometimes they don't, you gotta, you know, it hurts, it sucks, but you gotta move on, you know? And he had to, you know, he was talking to this girl on a duty day on, uh, and he had to go and watch. He was late and I went down to, you know, where we're at. And I was like, Hey man, I know you, I know what you got going on is important and I I feel for you. I understand, but you got to really the watch, man. Come on. So he, he wrapped it up and he went to watch and about a half hour later, he calls me up and he's like all kind of, you know, unwinding. And I'm like, dude, what is it? What's going on? And basically he made a suicidal ideation. So I was like, okay, I'll be right there. Right. So I ran down to, we were in the shipyard. I ran down to where he was at and he was, I said, dude, what's going on, man? And he was telling me, he, he, he just put this, this, the gun in his mouth, you know? I was like, oh, okay. You know, I was like, wow, man, that's crazy. You know, so I I, I just I just took the watch right then and there. I mean, I, I, so I'm the duty yeah. chief, right? And I just said, hey, give me a gun belt. Give me everything. Meet me in the chief's quarters. I'll come talk to you. And so he just did that. So here I am, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the duty chief, right? Now, stand, now I'm standing the, the petty officer of the deck, right? And, you know, I'm supposed to be uh, a mobile, basically a mobile watch stander. And now I'm stuck there because, you know, I, I mean, what else could I do, you know? So I, I got I got relieved pretty quick. That that wasn't a big deal. And, and then, you know, I, I dealt with a service member and I, I wound up taking, I had a, um, another chief come to the boat and relieve me. And I wound up taking him to the hospital and I wound up committing the guy, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. long story short, whenever you do, uh, you know, whenever you make the suicidal ideation, that's usually a wrap. And, and you know, uh, I, I, we, we, you know, you and I, we both were in the submarine force. So you understand what I mean. You make yeah. a suicidal ideation. That's pretty much it for you on the boat, man. You're gone. Right. So yeah. uh, I wound up taking them, you know, down to um, to be out processed from the Navy. We were up in the shipyard and, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the way down, you know, I was just thinking about it and talking to him. And, and the more and more I talked to him, the more and more I realized that, you know, that, you know, he was just looking for help, you know, and a way to deal with this. And he wasn't trying to kill himself. He was just trying to find a way out, you know, and he, he made a, you know, he was about to make a permanent, you know, decision for a, a temporary situation. And thank God, you know, I didn't, you know, wait and say, don't worry about it. You'll get over it. You know, I just took action right away. So anyway, I'm taking them down to get out processed and I'm looking and I'm, and I'm getting ready to check them in and I'm listening to what they're telling me they're going to do to, you know, with them. And I was like, um, Hey, you know what? Um, I'm, we're going to go to lunch and, um, we'll be right back. We'll be back after lunch. Right. Mm-hmm. So I took them from there and I was like, there's no way I'm letting them out process them like this. This is like, you know, I mean, you know, they were basically just saying, you know, sign here, you know, uh, okay, go ahead and watch this video for tap. 
And <laughs> yeah. so they they were really, I mean, you know, I mean, and you know, I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, you know, if they if they're gonna get rid of you, they're gonna get rid of you the quickest way they can, you know, when you do stuff like that. And I mean, I don't even know, I don't know that they were even gonna provide any type of assistance for him. You know, I think they were probably just gonna count on the VA. And God only knows what kind of discharge he would have got. You know, it probably would have been a general. You know, and he would have probably spent years trying to get that upgraded to uh, uh, honorable if he could. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I took him to uh, PSD and I'm like, I'm, I'm looking around. I'm trying to find somebody to help me. And God bless this this seaman. Right. You know, uh, mm-hmm. she was like, uh, Chief, can I help you? And I was like, yeah, uh, I don't know if you can or not, but this is what I need. So, I said, so I need- real quick, PSD yeah. stands for. PSD is the personal support detachment. That's kind of like the agency in the in the Navy that takes care of all your pay and 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 you know just kind of tracks your some of your benefits. You know, as far as vacation and your basically pay, basically and HR almost. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, basically a portion of HR. Sure. Right. Yeah. So okay, so I took him up to our our support detachment there, and uh, the the seaman, you know, like I said, man, she she really helped me out. And she just, you know, she seen me looking around and trying to find somebody. And she just said, Chief, can I help you? And I was like, I, you know, again, I don't know if you can or not, but I need to get, um, I need to find some, I need to get uh, my sailor here some orders to uh, a unit up where we're at in the shipyard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not really sure about how to go about doing that. Now, mind you, <laughs> he had just detached from the boat, right? Mm-hmm. And his orders were to go down to this, you know, holding unit so that he could be processed out. So uh, what I was asking this, you know, seaman to do is probably wasn't the right, you know, wasn't, you know, you know according to stand, you know, procedure and all that stuff. But she just looked at me and said, okay, chief, well, what UIC do you want me to uh, write orders for? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so a UIC, sorry. UIC is basically the, basically she was asking me, what command do I want to send him orders to? Okay, so I was like, hold on a second. So I made a phone call and I got the code, which is what a UIC is, a code for for the command. And she wrote him a set of orders just like that. And I was like, wow, that's it. She said, yeah, no problem. (laughs) And I was like, wow. So I took him back up to where we were at in the shipyard. And basically, I I got him orders to the hospital. And, um, you know, uh, I tried to get a hold of the command master chief ahead of time, but, you know, he wasn't around, whatever. So I kind of put the cart before the horse. So the next day, you can imagine that, you know, God and country was all, I mean, dude, they were all up in my behind, like, 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 like if like (laughs) (laughs) i can't even imagine dude i'm telling you they were like everybody was pissed off me doc was pissed off me my my command master chief was pissed off at me the xo stayed pissed off at me you know and the captain was just shaking his head damn chief lewis that chief lewis you know it's kind of like he expected something like this you know what i mean so So what so why did you do that (sighs) ryan you know what i just i just felt like this was a quality guy. He made a mistake. And I didn't think that, you know, he had to pay the ultimate price for making this mistake. I mean, look, a suicidal ideation is serious, right? No doubt about it. And there's and there's people that are going through things that they need help. You know what I mean? And I didn't, I'm not saying that this person didn't need help. I'm just saying that to me, the kind of help he needed wasn't to get, basically wasn't to lose his job, wasn't to lose his income. You know, his... The help that he needed was somebody to get involved and say, look, we you, you, maybe you can't be on this unit, 
but you still have value to the Navy and you still have value to your rating. And we just need to put you in a place that can, you know, we need to get you some help and then we need to be able to reassign you so that you continue to serve. And that's what we did. And when we, when I, when I, so that, that's why I did it, man. I, I mean, I don't, I didn't, trust me, I didn't get anything about, you know, you know what I got? I got to, uh, you know, a few years later when it was time for me to retire, I got to retire as Chief Lewis instead of Senior Chief Lewis. <laughs> that's what I got. <laughs> so, so all in all, the reason why you did that is because you care. And I feel like, because we, we kind of, uh, cross paths, um, what is it a year and some change yeah, ago now? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah so, and I, I definitely felt that I definitely <laughs> felt that you, that you care, you know, yeah. that you, you have, you might, you know, have a bit of a edginess to you and all Navy chiefs do. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's no mm-hmm. surprise there, mm-hmm. but you know, coming with a passionate heart for viable members of society. Yeah. And trying to get them the help that they need and deserve, I yeah. think, is one of the most important things that we can do for each other as human beings. That, you know, exactly. not put them, not put them in a box and right. say, "This is where you belong because we think this," right. or "This is where be- you belong because you did this or did yeah. that." Yeah. You know, not not every not in every situation, uh, what we do defines who we are. Right. Exactly. You know, it's uh, it's. It's a context thing. You got to take everything into context. You can't just pull it out and, you know, decide, you know, whether or not someone deserves something based on one one mistake or one action or something like that. Now, listen, I mean, it's, it's the military, man. And, you know, that's a, that's what we do. You know, we, we have to, you know, I mean, you know, there's 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 a well, there's a mission. There's a well, mission that needs to be that needs to be fulfilled. Right. Too. And there's a whole country that's dependent on us to do things that. They can't do, you know, and so right. um, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I just, man, I, I just I couldn't let them do what they were going to do. And, um, you know, uh, at, you know, as a, so as a consequence, you know, I got, you know, in, uh, in, a, in, in a bit in a, a little bit of trouble, but, you know, nothing that I, I couldn't recover from, you know, they, you know, so that that, that wasn't, you know, and I, and I wasn't afraid of that, you know, and I, and I knew that was going to come. And so it just, uh, it just, you know, it just comes with the territory, but the guy, you know, he, he recovered, you know, and, and basically <laughs> he worked for me for the rest of that time, you know, and they, they told me, I said, if he crosses the street the wrong way, you are done, you know? So I was like, I, right, you know, so I, I mean, I took a big chance, but you know, I, I felt like he was worth it, you know? And as, as it turns out, the guy is, uh, you know, he, he left the, our command. He went to another command. He was, you know, very, very, very successful. And uh, to the point where he actually put in an officer package and got picked up and um, he's done great. You know, he's done super, super well in the Navy. And, you know, he talks about his struggles with mental health, you know, to his credit, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't look at it like a stain. He looks at it uh, as a way to help people. And he does with that, you know, Uh, and so I'm, I'm proud of him for that. And he's still serving and still, you know, doing good things for the Navy. So, I, I, you know, he's got a, a beautiful wife and, and a great son. And uh, I, I, every time I think about him, I just think, you know, man, if, if I didn't get involved, where would he be right now? And I, and I don't say that yeah. to toot my own horn. I just, I'm just thankful that I had, you know, the heart to, um, you know, um, just, just to help him, you know, and, and that's amazing, man. What, so, what, do you still keep in contact with him? All the time. Yep. All the time. Yep. Sure wow. do. He's doing great. And and so kind of getting back to the beginning, I said, you know, I, sometimes I get 
too involved. And yeah, we, we got deep real quick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, though. I, I, I don't know. Um, I'd like to think that I would be able to do that again if, if, if I was in the service today, um, you know, because I feel like I'm the same person. Uh, it, may, it may be a little harder to have done something like that. Um, but I think I, I like to think that I would have at least tried to, to help him out. And, and I just say, you know, and, and maybe, you know, my critic would say that I got too involved and maybe they're correct. Maybe they're right. Um, and I, I sometimes, I guess, take that passion over into some of the things I've done since the, since the service where, you know, where I work with, with, with service members. And, you know, the thing is that not everybody can, is receptive to that type of, um, intervention. And so I've had to learn to basically, um, you know, back out sometimes because people don't, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they, they look at some folks and, and think that their intentions are bad. And, and I, you know, I've never had, you know, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who wants to help service members, particularly transitioning service members, get, find the careers they're looking for, you know, you know, they were, uh, you know, post-service, you know, I feel like most service members were, were successful in their military careers. And I just want them to be successful in their post-military careers as they move into the business community. Um, but some folks don't want that. You know, some folks um, are motivated by different things. And, and so my challenge is having to be able to recognize that and to, um, um, you know, <laughs> sort of follow the procedure that's written instead of kind of going off, you know, and helping them um, perhaps in a way that they may not want to help or, 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 or appreciate. What kind of, a, what kind of, a, of a procedure are you following here? Because last time I checked, there's not really much of a procedure, you know, being a veteran advocate or yeah. someone who kind of volunteers their time to help transitioning veterans. You know, it's, it seems like a mixed bag, man. Like sure, you, sure. like you just said, people come from different backgrounds and are receptive right. to different, um, you know, yeah. different help. So right. like, what kind of things do you kind of adhere to? When you when you step into that position, when you wear that advocate role, well, that advocate hat rather. That's a, that's a great question, man. I mean, you know, um, you, you got to listen. You know, you really got to listen um, because I mentioned some people just don't. You know, they they want it their way, and not and they're not really open to uh, coaching, or they're not really open to you know listening. You know, and. You have to be on. I guess. I guess what I just mean is that you just have to be able to recognize that some folks are not willing to take on, um, you know, take you on or myself on it in the role of somebody who could really, you know, help them if they would just listen. And so what I have to do, the procedure I was talking about, is you know, not not necessarily something that's written down, but basically having the wherewithal to say, okay. I understand. Uh, hey, listen, you know, maybe I'm not the guy to help you or maybe I'm not the person to help you, but uh, maybe I could refer to somebody else. But if I if I can be of help, let me know, um, you know, take take care and, and you know, um, reach out to me um, when you're ready. Um, be glad to help you. See, that's something important to recognize because yeah. people who are naturally caring and naturally want to help other people, they have to realize where their boundaries lie as well. Right. Right. Because you can't right. help everybody every time, you know, it, right. it doesn't matter how social you are or how friendly you are or how talkative right. you are. It's like right. at the end of the day, 
people have different personalities and, and right. some people just don't like to talk at all. So right. what do you, you know, what do you do? How do you, how do you fix that? Right. Or not necessarily how you fix them, but it's how do you fix your approach? Right. Right. Exactly. That, that's exactly right. And that, you know, and, and through, you know, I, and I've, I've recently, you know, not recently, I, I guess, um, uh, kind of, uh, <clears throat> I guess about two years now, I, um, I certified as a life coach and that's, that's one, you know, one, one of the things that, you know, about coaching that we have to realize is that, you know, we're not there to, to give people advice, uh, and that type of things. I mean, sometimes you have to give, what, what you have to do is be able to provide some options if, if people, if people can't, um, you know, figure it out. But one, two, two things you got to do is just be able to listen, number one, and two, you know, you have to, you know, just ask, you, you have to ask good questions. You know, so, you know, somebody, you know, looking back at it now, you know, I, I mean, I probably would ask a lot of why, you know, and, and, and people will probably get frustrated with that, you know, but, but, you know, asking why helps them see what they're doing. And, and, and I think, and, you know, as I've learned, I think, you know, again, some people don't know at all what to do, but I think that a lot of people know exactly what to do. They just, for whatever reason, they can't see it. They can't articulate it. They can't do it. And as a coach, you know, your job is to kind of move, you know, help them see the forest for the trees, you know, by asking good questions, by, you know, by, by asking why, and, you know, what makes you think that, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, what, what, well, if you accomplish that, what, what, what would life look like to you? If you got, if you, if you accomplish this goal, what would life look like for you? You know, and, and things like that. And I, I found that taking that approach uh, is, you know, helps not only helps me as a life coach, but it helps the individual who I'm trying to coach. Uh, as an example, I, I just spoke to a sailor uh, the other day and um, he the reason I, I, I reached I, re, I reached out to this person because on LinkedIn he posted some comments that were troubling to me, and I, I thought that okay this guy needs some help, but you know he's kind of going about it the wrong way. But let me try to help him. So I, I did. I, I said, hey, you know, you know, uh, this is who I am. You know, uh, what can I do to you know? Is there anything I can do to help you? And he was like, um, not really. Maybe we could talk. And I said, well, here's my number. I'm available right now if you want to talk. Um, you know, he's like, well, I got to get ready for work. I got to, you know, do this, that, or the other. I said, uh, okay, well, you know, um, when you get done, if you're, if you're able, if you want, you know, give me a, give me a, give me a call. So yeah. um, the next day, I, mean, I didn't wait for him to give me a call. I just sent him a, a reminder, you know, hey, um, you know, uh, if you're able to, I'm available if you want to talk. And he said, yeah, give me a few minutes. And then he, he, he did, he did call me. I was like, wow, you know, cause, cause I, I expected him not to, cause it felt like he didn't want that. And, and the more I talked to him, the more I realized in my mind, he needed some tough love because some of the things that I was suggesting to him, he, he had already done, he had already pursued, he knew about it and everything. And, and I said to him, so I said, so what do you, what, what is it exactly that you're looking for um, and he said he, he, he really, what he was really struggling with is all of the help or options that are out there that he can't either, he can't take advantage of because of this present situation being in the Navy, or he's just really, you know, overwhelmed by them. Mm. And I said, wow. Okay. So, um, I gave him a couple of pieces of advice, you know, about, you know, he wanted to participate in a skill bridge program 
which is a great program uh, where you basically, you know, your last six months of service, you can basically go uh, to work for a the, the company of your choice or go to some type of training um, that will help set you up for life after the military. And he couldn't do that because his command wouldn't let him go. And he just didn't know what to do because of all of the available resources that are out there. So I was like, well, look, here, here's, here's, a, here's, here's the short and skinny on the Skillbridge program. Okay. Your, your, your command doesn't have to let you go. You don't deserve to go. You know, they, they have to, you know, they, 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 they're making a decision based on the fact that, you know, they're not going to get a body to replace you. It'd be great if they did it because that that's, that's awesome if they can support that, but they don't, they're not required to do it. And I said, so, you know, what can you do um, to help prepare you for what you want to do when you get out, even though you can't do the skill bridge? And he was just like, man, I don't know what to do because I, I can't do the skill bridge. And, and so we talked for a little while. I gave him some ideas and some resources of, of things that he could do on his own um, that didn't, you know, that didn't require him to, you know, to participate in the skill bridge program. And I just felt like he wasn't very receptive to those things because what he really wanted was to be in the Skillbridge program. Um, and at the end of the day, I said, hey, man, listen, you know, the bottom line is there's a way for you to get to where you want to go if you want to take it. You may not be able to go through the front door. You may have to go through the back door or the side door. You may have to hurdle or overcome an obstacle, but there's a way to do it. Um, if I can be of help, you know, please reach out to me. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's how, and then we, and we both mutually ended the call. So, you know, like I said before, you know, it was a matter of listening to all the things that he said and, he, you know, he it didn't sound like he was, you know, I mean, you, you know, you know when, when people aren't really listening to you, they're kind of giving you that, that sort of um, maybe respectful attention, but they really wish they were doing something else. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. I, I picked up on that and I was like, you know, and, and, and listen, you know, I, I wasn't I didn't when I picked up on that in the past, I know myself in the past, I, I've, I've been really kind of irritated by that because I'm like, man, I'm helping you out. and You don't really you know, wh- why don't you appreciate what I'm doing? And, and you know, I've just had to learn that, you know, you can't be doing this to for, for a pat in the back. You can't do this for somebody to say thank you. You, you know, you generally have to be somebody who is willing to uh, be, um, you know, <laughs> ignore it <laughs> you know? take, take me through take me through the process of becoming a certified life coach what is that like oh well there so first for first of all i met this woman um uh jay diane tribble she's a christian life coach and she put together this business uh, because, you know, she left corporate America. She wanted to go out on her own. And she's been wildly successful for the last, I think, 10 or 15 years. And she certifies people as a Christian life coach. And she does other professional development type training, you know, uh, workshops for businesses and corporations. And she trains people on public speaking. She trains people. She does a lot of great stuff. So uh, if I had her, her name is uh, Jay Diane Tribble. Um, <clears throat> so if you, if you look her up on LinkedIn and her and, and on just Google, doing a Google search. She's a wonderful, wonderful uh, woman who uh, is um, who helped me, you know, be, you know, uh, become a life coach. So, and so I, I, I mean, the process was, you know, I reached out to her after she gave a presentation and um, I said, you know, I, was, I just started talking to her about what she does and how she does it. And, you know, we, we scheduled a call and, um, you know, I, I was kind of 
you know, she, she's a, she's a Christian life coach. Right. And so my, my, uh, my faith or my walk with God has not always been a, uh, smooth or easy path, but, <clears throat> but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that anybody's path <laughs> with, with religion is smooth and easy. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, and I told her, I said, listen, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, somebody who goes to church every Sunday, you know, I, I, I do believe in God. I do believe, you know, in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in religion and, and Christianity. And I mean, I, I grew up, gosh, I went to a, a, a Roman Catholic, I was baptized Roman Catholic. I went to a Roman Catholic grammar school and a Roman Catholic high school in New York. So, you know, I got, trust me, I got all the indoctrination into religion that I could probably, yeah. possibly get. But, you know, the one thing that I feel about myself, as far as going to church is concerned, is that when I was a kid, you know, I had, I, I went to church because I had to go, uh, because that's what was expected. Um, now I go to church, uh, because I want to hear the word. And I just feel like every time I go, uh, <laughs> they're talking about me. I'm like, <laughs> how do they, you know, no, but anyway, you know, she, she, so Diane Tribble is, is a wonderful lady. So I just, um, listened to her talk about her process and, you know, we met, uh, for about six weeks. Uh, and we, you know, we, we, she gave me some things to read. We reviewed that, you know, we, we talked about the, the, the lesson and, you know, I took notes and, you know, I, I just really got into the, 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 the course topics that she was talking about as far as, you know, listening and, and, you know, having a, you know, a, you know, basically being open to, uh, not only take, uh, constructive feedback, but give it, and, you know, the boundaries that a coach has and, you know, how you don't want to overstep because that's how people, you know, just, you know, stop listening or don't listen to you at all or whatever. Um, you know, she, she has a, a whole um, a lot of material about, you know, how to turn your uh, coaching business into something that, you know, something that's you know, profitable. Um, mm-hmm. she, ha- she, she offers a, um, a quarterly um, you know, uh, sort of a network event with uh, other coaches in her, um, in her stable. So that's kind of how I, um, got to the, went through that process. Now I'm looking at a, uh, <clears throat> a, now that I have that sort of foundation, I'm looking at a, uh, career coach, uh, certification, uh, which is more focused on not necessarily, you know, um, you know, uh, a Christianity per se, but more of the, you know, the, the decision-making and, 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 and of about finding a career and, you know, the tools that are out there to, to help you, you know, find a career and, you know, just, just, just utilizing the tools that are available to help you, uh, to help a, a prospective career coach, help somebody, um, you know, um, figure out, you know, what things they want to do, what things they don't want to do, you know, that type of thing. So what type of person would need a life coach? I think we all need not only both, not only a life coach, but a career coach. And, and, and I say that only because, you know, at different points, I mean, you know, just look at your own life, right. You know, um, you know, you, 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 you're growing up, you know, you become a young adult, um, you, you know, there, there's different, I would say milestones in your life that you, uh, need to, you know, that you, you know, uh, come to. And, um, you know, sometimes you don't have, you know, you're not, maybe you're not the subject matter expert in, in this particular milestone that you come to, you know? Uh, and so I think that when you, when you get to that point, it's good to reach out for and get some help and not sort of just waffle. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, there's plenty of people who don't, you know, do what they need to do uh, because they, you know, they don't, there's nobody they can turn to. Right. And well, they don't really know, you or, know or, because exactly. they haven't been taught. Right. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. They don't know that there's somebody that they can talk to. And, uh, you know, so, um, you know, so a life coach is somebody who can just, you know, I think, as I mentioned before, help you, you know, take a look at a problem, you know, and, and, and basically not have a, you know, permanent solution for a temporary problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody who can help you kind of see that this is, you know, you're going through a phase in life or you're going through something maybe, you know, caused by your, 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 maybe your own doing, you know, okay. So what kind of things can you do to, you know, get through this? Right. And so again, a life coach helps you figure that out, you know, again, and I think people know some of the things that they want to do or that they have to do, but in the case of people who don't know what they want to do, a life coach, you know, offers some suggestions and, you know, then it's up to the, that person to either take it on board or discard it. But the thing that you don't want as a life coach or um, is you, you, you don't, you don't want somebody to take on, you know, the plan that you propose to them. In other words, you want them to make the, you know, you want them to have ownership of the plan right. uh, that they provide, you know, that they come up with themselves. Um, and, 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 and then basically as a coach, you know, you kind of hold them, you know, accountable to what they said, to what they said they were going to do, not hold them accountable to what you said they were going to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's important. It's important that people realize that they can come up with solutions with just a little right. bit of help or right. just a little, that little bit of a nudge. Right. That right. Is, are those services something that people paid, pay for, or is that something that people can kind of get for free? Uh, somewhere? Well, um, yeah, yes, and, yes, and yes, right. So there's there's plenty of people like myself. I, I mean, I, I don't really, you know, I, I've had uh, a couple of clients, and I I haven't really I haven't charged them for any, anything, you know. I mean, my and <laughs> that's kind of a, a challenge that I have for myself because uh, you know I, I mostly have um, transitioning service members as uh, clients, you know, people that I talk to, and I just can't see myself charging them for my time, um, you know, because they're, you know, they're, they're in a very vulnerable time in their lives. And, and I think the last thing they need is to try, you know, have to pr- figure out, you know, how many hundreds of dollars an hour that they should pay me or whatever. But, you know, in the future, I'll probably, you know, I, I know I will have clients outside of the, of the, you know, service and, you know, to, you know, maybe for that population, you know, I'll, I'll charge something, but, um, you know, if you, you know, it just depends on who you speak with. I mean, some people, will do, uh, you know, life coaching or career coaching for, for pro bono or free, or, you know, you have to pay. I mean, and, and this, and trust me, there's a, if you Google it, you'll get a million, uh, life coaches or career coaches that come back. Um, I think that most career coaches or life coaches tend to make, you know, I think we want to have, you know, companies as a client, instead of individuals that pay the money, if that makes sense. Um, and, and, and that's, that's that, at least that's what I want for myself. I don't want to necessarily take money from somebody. I'd rather take it from a company who's budgeted for, you know, who, who, who knows, okay, I, we've got this issue or a uh, thing going on in our organization. Let's see who we can figure out. Let's, let's see who we, we can find to help us solve this problem. And that's where a life coach or a career coach or a, you know, consultant uh, comes into play. Yeah. Um, let me ask you kind of a side question, sure. but um, I'm going to ask another follow-up question later to bring it back around. All right. Why did you join the military? Why did I join the Navy? Uh, why did I join the military? Um, I just needed something to do. You know, that that's, that's that, in a nutshell, that's it. You know, uh, how old were you when you joined? I joined, I was uh, 19 and I had just, um, <laughs> I had just gotten my degree 
uh, in spadeology from uh, the, the college, from, from uh, Tuskegee University, which is an historical, uh, which HBCU in, uh, in uh, Tuskegee, Alabama. And I'm being facetious and funny when I say that because they didn't offer spades as a uh, major at, uh, uh, at, at Tuskegee University. So can you throw I mean, down on it, some spades? What I mean to say is I failed out of college, <laughs> but you know, if you, if, I mean, but I could play some spades. <laughs> <laughs> That's what matters. You know, so, I mean, if they, you know, you, you know how you see all these uh, uh, poker tournaments uh, on, on ESPN and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they had a spades tournament, I'd be, you know, I'd be up, I'd be in there. You know, <laughs> I believe it. So, so let me ask you the follow-up question then as a life coach. And as an aspiring career coach, what kind of advice would you have given yourself um, when you were 19? Um, well, you know, well, I, let me go back further. Um, I was going to join the Navy when I came out of high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead, I went to college. And the reason why I did that you know, first of all, my parents wouldn't sign me over to the service uh, to go to, to, to go to the service when I was 17. Why not? Uh, because they, they just didn't want me want to do that. They just felt guilty about, you know, something happened to me that they, they would be responsible for that. So they didn't want to do that. And then I got accepted to college. And then, of course, the service, the Navy called me when I turned 18, you know, wishing me happy birthday. But uh, <laughs> they were they were trying, <laughs> trying to recruit me, you know. I was like, oh man, y'all, y'all don't care about me, man. Y'all, y'all just want me, you know. So, so I went to college, but I, I, I and like I said, I, I failed out. I did, you know, miserably. Uh, I was ready to get out of my house. I was ready to get into the world, uh, but I wasn't necessarily ready for college. So, did the, did the I, Navy I, tell you that they had a rate for spades? Uh, no, they well, oh. I, no, they did, they, 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 no, they didn't have that at the time. <laughs> As a matter of yeah, they, they, no, they didn't say that, but um. You know, I, I guess I was just ready to to, to be my own man and uh, grow up a lot faster than um, than than what college would have provided. And so, if I would have, you know, go if I could go back in time, I would have probably joined the Navy uh, because that's what I needed at the time. I needed I needed a little bit of uh, discipline. I needed a little bit of a rudder to kind of get me right. And if I did, if I had done that, I probably then would have been ready for college. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I probably, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, when I, when I, when I got qualified uh, in the submarine force and that just means that I got my uh, warfare pin, everybody in the submarine force is required to get their uh, warfare pin. We, we call them fish. Fish. Right. Right. So um, within, you know, nine to 12 months when you get on board uh, after I got that in my life in the Navy became a lot better uh, cause when, when you're, when you're not qualified, you know, you know how it is, you're, you're, you're yeah. a nub, you're, you know, well, I guess nowadays they can't call you all kinds of names like they did back in the day, but, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, and it, and it, and it, and it's all to motivate you to get it done, you know, yeah. as fast as you can, but you know, it had, it, it didn't really have this effect on me that they thought it would, you know, I kind of was a little bit of a, a rebel as far as that was concerned, but the bottom line is that, it, you know, I got qualified and then life became, a lot better for me. And then I started to realize, you know, after I got my fish that, you know, this Navy thing, this submarine thing is, isn't bad, you know, it's hard work, but you know, um, you're, you're, man, I, I can't even begin to, to tell you, man, when I, when I, when, when I started to feel uh, a part of really a part of that boat and a part of the division and a part of just, you know, getting things done, I can't even tell you how, proud that made me feel to be able to, um, 
you know, take this multi-billion dollar weapon to sea and bring it back every time and do your job and, and you know, do everything that you had to do. Uh, I was so proud of myself for being, you know, that, you know, uh, that, that such a, such a, a key a component of my, of my, uh, my team and of my whole, you know, organization, my whole unit. Um, and, and um, so I probably wouldn't have left the Navy. I probably would have still, you know, gone on to do, uh, you know, 20 or 30 years or something like that. But, but then, you know, I wouldn't have met the people that I met when I did join the Navy. And so, you know, I, I really believe that people are, are, you know, you know, they, they're there for a reason and a, and a season. And uh, ha- had I not been there for the guy that whose career I, I, I saved, who knows what would have happened to him, you know? So it was yeah. probably, you know, for, for him at least, you know, it was good that I didn't go in the Navy uh, when I wanted to, when I should have. Uh, and I did, and then I went later on um, that, that, you know, I feel like I helped a lot of people when I was in the service, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of that. You know, for, for some people, for a lot of people, the military, especially a close knit um, organization like the submarine force really can feel like a family. Yeah. You know, it really can feel like a brotherhood yep. for some people. It's not for some people. Yeah. It's just a job uh, right. for some people. It's uh, an opportunity to get out of the house because they're yep. tired of hearing their mom tell them how much they need to wash the dishes. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> guess what? The first thing you do when you go to submarine is <laughs> wash dishes. <laughs> <laughs> guess what happens when you guess what happens when you make too many mistakes you go right back to washington <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> so they teach you real quick yeah. uh mama's right you better yep. wash them damn dishes <laughs> <laughs> and trust me, there was times I was watching this is like, man, what the heck was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That water is super hot too. Oh God. Hey, listen, that's one. Let me tell you right now, the Navy, uh, I'm sure it's like this in other brands of the service, but one thing the Navy does not lack is hot water. I tell you, what, I can't tell you how many times I don't burn my hands on some hot water. Oh my God, man. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. crazy. You know, a lot of people, <laughs> when I tell them that I was in the uh, submarine force, um, uh-huh. you know, they, they just kind of are taken aback in amazement, you know, but, um, and it is amazing, uh, yeah. because you're on a steel tube mm-hmm. with all this machinery around and not one square inch is waste. Like everything is meant to be there. Right. Everything is, you know, cleaned and, uh, worked on and checked mm-hmm. and maintenance is involved with every right. single piece of machinery. It's literally like, one big piece of machinery when you step into that submarine. And it is absolutely fascinating to see something like that for Mm -hmm. the first time. Right. You know, and then obviously you get used to it and you get tired of it. You just (laughs) want to go home. (laughs) Not again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But driving the boat, driving the boat, you know, cleaning the boat, operating, whatever you got to operate to, to kind of bring everybody you know, to the mission safely and home safely. Mm-hmm. Like that's, um, it's important and right. people and people, a lot of people take that to heart. So right, right, right. finding where you belong, I think is very important and Absolutely. learning how to come up with solutions. Even if you do need a little bit of help yep. from other people like life coaches is always very important because it does help you take ownership. It helps you understand where you, 
where you belong in this place. Absolutely. So I think that that's awesome, man. So where do you, where are you going from here? What are you doing right now? Well, right now, um, you know, I've, I've kind of, so since, you know, so, you, you know, you and I met, um, uh, when I was, um, managing the, uh, Skillbridge program in Jacksonville, the uh, Microsoft software and systems Academy, which was, mm-hmm. It's a great experience, a great program for anybody who's looking to get into software development, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and work for a great company like Microsoft. You know, that's an opportunity there, not a guarantee, but an opportunity. So um, as you, as, uh, as you well know, uh, but since, you know, COVID really uh, put the kibosh on the, the program in Jacksonville, I mean, we didn't always have, we, we didn't have the numbers that they, that, that we needed anyway. And so um, I think, you know, it was probably a good idea for them to, um, end the program in Jacksonville, just, just to help save other jobs at, at Microsoft and, you know, things like that. So, um, I've kind of worked off and on, um, since last year, uh, some odd jobs. And, um, I had, I had a, um, I had a, uh, 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 professional development, uh, gig for a school, uh, out of, uh, Virginia. And, uh, that, that was, that was pretty good. Um, you know, it was a pretty good opportunity. It was an opportunity for me to, you know, get to teach and try to connect again with veteran students. Did you travel um, up to Virginia or did you do that remotely? No, it was all, it was, it was remote. It was remote. Okay. It was remote. Um, and, uh, but, but, you know, I, I really, you know, wanted to have uh, something more. And then, so I let that go and I started another opportunity with another organization and that lasted all of about five weeks. And, uh, for, you know, for, for a couple of days, I was really kind of bummed about that, but, you know, I, I really find, found that that was probably the best thing that happened to me, uh, is because I realized what I definitely didn't want to do. And, um, I just feel like I didn't work with people. I mean, there was a lot of people there that have, you know, um, great, you know, great, really good people, but, you know, it just wasn't a good fit for me. And so, uh, I'm glad that I, you know, decided to move on from there. So right now I'm not really, I'm not working. Um, I'm, I'm working some volunteer opportunities. So right now I'm the volunteer coordinator for an organization called Vets to Industry, which, uh, mm-hmm. we, which is awesome. We, um, we, we host these uh, network circling events every three weeks or so. And we get, uh, and we do it on a Saturday and it's from uh, two to 7 PM and we get recruiters and um, we get recruiters, we get veteran services organizations, we get schools, you know, all legitimate people. We vet everybody that comes on and has contact with uh, our transitioning service members, veterans and military spouses and, and dependents. Uh, it's just an opportunity to, you know, to get to get people some help that they need, to give them an opportunity to, you know, give their elevator pitch to, you know, talk to the organizations about what they could do. And, it, and it's an opportunity for organizations to recruit uh, great um, uh, veteran and military uh, talent. Uh, we, we, we try to, you know, we, we help everybody, like I said, transitioning service members, veterans, military spouses, which is a, a really underserved community. You know, um, we, we do what we, and, and, and of course, uh, dependent children, we have, a um, a, our, our website is vetsindustry.org and we have a, uh, a link on our website that is, you know, has every state and every resource that we have, you know, vetted and gone through, uh, to help veterans and transitioning service members and military spouses. Uh, so you can just click on, you know, Alabama and it gives you everything that's in Alabama to help uh, military families. And not only that, we have a scholarship list uh, that, um, you know, you know, has, you know, offers scholarships, you know, has the potential to offer 
uh, scholarships to, again, the transitioning service member, the veteran, the military spouse, the military dependent. You know, uh, so we do a lot of good stuff with that. Um, I'm also volunteering with a group called uh, Vets on Tap out of Jacksonville, where we uh, Jacksonville, you know, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. Yep. Thank you. Because there is a Jacksonville. <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. that there's a Jacksonville, North Carolina, but I didn't know that there was a Jacksonville, Georgia, too. So yeah. uh, thank you for that. <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, there's a uh, you know, Vets on Tap. We, um, you know, again, a, a networking and social um, uh, organization. And we, again, we help uh, the transitioning service members and veterans find, uh, you know, career opportunities uh, by having, you know, education events, uh, by having um, employment events. You know, we, we, we had a couple of, before COVID, we had a, a few employers come through um, and uh, we, we, we used to host our in-person events at, um, at these craft breweries in uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, dude, I've been to a couple of those with you and it is absolutely yeah. fantastic. Man, you know, now- I loved it. I, uh, hey, well, I'm glad, man. I'm glad it was, it was good for you. You know, I, I myself don't do a whole lot of drinking and driving. That is to say I don't because uh, I live up yeah. here. Yeah, it's about an hour drive from me down to Jacksonville. Uh, so I never get to partake in any of the uh, libations. But, you know, it's it's a it's a um, it's a uh, low pressure, you know, um, you know, social um, uh, event and where people can you know talk to recruiters, talk to companies in a casual environment, in a no-pressure environment. You know, we, I, we, we've done resume reviews. We've done interview techniques. We've we, we posted a bunch of different um, topics. And then uh, when we have employers there, we, we, the, type of, the type of employers we like to bring in are people who are, are hiring, not people who are giving out swag. You know, we, 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 don't, we stay away from those type of uh, employers. If you're looking to hire somebody or looking to hire a veteran, then, that, then that's the type of, uh, you know, uh, organization we want to uh, have come to Vets on Tap. And, and literally, we have them do on-site interviews right then and there. And people have gotten, you know, conditional offers right then and there at these breweries. And they've gone on to work for these companies. So that's the kind of thing that, so th- those are some things that I'm doing, you know, volunteer-wise. And, and you know, for, for to make, an, you know, as far as making some money or, you know, um, career opportunities, you know, I'm looking, you know, uh, for an opportunity to continue to serve the veteran community, to, ser- to continue to serve transitioning veterans, um, service members, and, and military spouses and families. I've, uh, you know, I've, I've interviewed uh, a few places, you know, and I'm, right now I'm kind of just, you know, just in that holding pattern waiting to hear back, you know. So uh, as I'm waiting to hear back, I'm still uh, looking and applying for opportunities. And, you know, I'm not stopping. I'm not just going to put my eggs in one basket. But I am definitely being a little more discriminatory about the organizations that I want to, um, you know, partner with. And so those are some of the things that I'm doing right now. Well, a company trying to find a good fit is just as important as you trying to find a good fit with a company. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's super important because if you hate where you work, that's not going to work out. Probably like your your five week stint at the place that you didn't want to mention that you kind of raised over. (laughs) Uh, Let's go back to something that you mentioned earlier, though. Um, (laughs) Let's go back to you saying that. Veterans tend to be an underrepresented community. Why? Why do you think that is, or what, you know, why is that? Well, I think I said military spouses are, um, you know, underrepresented in the ah. workforce. Okay, and, sorry. 
I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Sorry, about uh, that. that's okay. But I mean, I'll talk about both. But uh, let's just talk about the military spouse first. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you know, military spouses have the the burden of transitioning every time their you know service member um, goes from one duty station to another, and sometimes that's in a completely different geographical location. I mean, imagine being stationed in and living in Norfolk, Virginia. You know, where they have the largest naval base in the world, to a place like Guam. I mean, you know, right. there's not, which, which is very small, extreme. I mean, I mean, <laughs> very, very small, you know, um, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an important, you know, strategic stronghold for the United States. But as far as, you know, families are concerned, you know, there's not, uh, you know, there, there really isn't a whole lot of opportunities for a spouse to rise to the, to, to have a career um, like their active duty uh, spouse uh, would have. Um, and so, um, however, you know, when they are employed or when they, you know, when they, when you get to an interview, let's say, and you mention that you're a military spouse, you know, you have some employers who are like, mm, I'm only going to have this person for, you know, maybe 18 months or a year or two, you know, depending on when they, you know, got to that particular area. And so, but, but man, military spouses, man, they, they've got, a ton of resiliency. They've got a ton of, you know, can do attitude. You know, they, they've got a ton of, you know, um, uh, transferable, you know, soft skills that any employer uh, would, I, I would think they would want to have because they, they have to do a lot of stuff when their active duty spouse is deployed, they've got to take care of the family. They got to make sure, I mean, they got, they're in charge of all the logistics. They're in charge of, you know, taking care of all the, you know, repairs that happen in the house. They got to schedule things. They have to, you know, organize the, not only the children, but, you know, themselves. And, you know, if they're involved with any other organizations, they've got to, any, any other, you know, organizations, typically it's organizations that are geared towards the children's um, after school activities. So they've got a balance. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they have the epitome of work-life balance. Okay. I mean, right. they live every, you know, and every time they transition or every time they move from one duty station to another, they have to, you know, basically pick up their roots and try to plant roots someplace else. And so they never get a chance to establish, you know, a seniority or they never get a chance to establish themselves in any geographical location uh, or at any organization uh, to, to, to gain the, the type of advancement that, um, you know, one would gain if they were at a company for, you know, five or 10 years or something like that. So, you know, so in my mind, you know, they are really a population that's uh, not only underserved, but um, they're underworked. And, and, and you know, they, they take jobs in fast over food. overworked. Right. Well, well, they're they're Maybe they're overworked as far as the burden of, you know, having to take care of everything when it comes to the home, if they're active duty. Uh, service members deployed, but I say they're underemployed because typically they take minimum wage jobs and jobs that don't pay a whole lot. But but they have so many diff- they, they have so many skills to offer an organization. But an organization sometimes doesn't ha- can't look past the fact that they're a military spouse and are only going to be there for a short period of time, mm-hmm. and so that they they kind of I think you know misjudge. I, I think they miss an opportunity. How about that? Yeah. Uh, and so um, you know. COVID really has been not only a curse, but a blessing, because I think that businesses have seen and have proven, right, that we that, that people can work from home and be productive. So I think that for the military spouse, whether that be a man or a woman, they're going to be able to, to, I think, see 
um, you know, a lot more opportunities now because they can just, all they need is a computer and they can just pick it up and pl- as long as they have internet access, they can pick up and, and plug in and, and, and get on, you know, anywhere and still continue to work. Um, so, so that, that's what I meant by, by them being, uh, underserved, uh, because, you know, they, they, they have a lot to offer and they just need an opportunity to, um, to, to showcase their skills, knowledge, skills, and abilities. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a tough to bis- position to be in. Mm-hmm. You and, know? And, and as far as the, the veteran is concerned, I mean, man, a lot of obstacles to breaking into the business community. Um, so, you know, but not impossible because, you know, thousands of people of, 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 of service members have done it successfully. But the thing is that, you know, you just have to be open to looking at the world in a different way. I mean, certainly the military wants to retain high quality people, but at some time, you know, you know, it's time to move on, it's time to retire. Um, and you, you got to look at the things that you can do and you have to be able to look at those same things through a different lens in the business community. I mean, right. you know, there's, you know, there's, there's a way that we motivate people in the military and, but there's a different way we motivate people in the business community. Uh, there's, 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 you know, in the military, you know, we, we work till it got to the job gets done in the business community. There is, you know, a 40 hour work week, you know, most times. Right. And Mm -hmm. maybe you have to stay within those 40 hours, you know, and you can't go beyond that. Uh, but you know, we military folks work, you know, kind of a, have a a different, uh, thought and, and, uh, work ethic as far as that's concerned. Um, you know, the way, the, the, the thing, the way we, the, the way we refer to things, uh, just, 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 just calling things by their name in the business community is different than what we call them in the service. You know, um, the head, that's the bathroom, right? The deck, right. the deck, that's the floor, you know, the bulkhead, that's, that's a wall, uh, speaking in on, on, a that most organizations are on a 12 hour clock, but the military is on a 24 hour clock. So, you know, um, just having the burden of being able to kind of switch it to that different language, um, if you're not able to do that, you kind of stand out in a negative way and aren't really looked upon as somebody who can assimilate into that new environment. And that's what you have to do, right? You have to assimilate right. to the new environment. Not to, not to say that what you learned in the military isn't important, and not that you you know not that I'm saying that the things that you learned in the military can't be used in the in the business community. You just kind of have to repurpose it a little bit. Um, so that you, you know, can fit in and be able to function, uh, and be successful in, in the business community. That's exactly right, dude. And those commercials don't lie, man. That when they say <laughs> 24 hours on call, shit, they ain't lying. Nope. <laughs> you know, you know, and we both know very well, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Working out there when you're on, when you're on deployment, uh-huh. if you get sleep, that's a good day. Yep. 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 It is. It sure is. Man. Gosh. God. <laughs> Do you miss it? Um, every now and again. I mean, if they called me up and said, Hey, Sean, we need you. I'd be like, are you sure? <laughs> Cause I don't know if you want me to come back, you know, cause I'm not, I don't know if, uh, yeah, Sean, we need you. I mean, I, I mean, all, in all seriousness, uh, and I, if they called me, I, I would, I would, I would go. I would come back. I would do what I had to do to serve my country. I mean, you know, we, we are our country, you know, um, you know, we, we, we got a lot of issues. I think a lot of issues have, have really bubbled up here over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I think about my service and, um, you know, I think, man, did I waste my time because, um, 
you know, I just, you know, wonder how people look at me, you know, um, as a, as a former service member, you know, do I have whatever problem, you know, or, or am I, am I do I not fit into the demographic that they think I should, you know, I mean, I, I listen, man, I, 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 I was proud. I'm so proud of our Navy um, and some of the things that we've done, you know, for a variety of reasons. But when, but when you come home and people look, look at you, uh, because of whatever you know preconceived notion they have about you based on race, gender, or sexual orientation, um, but you've been able to do your job in the service regardless of that. You know, it's, it's, I guess it kind of just really puts you in a in a different a different kind of headspace. And I know this last year, um, you know, with with the whole um, you know George Floyd and and a lot of the um, you know the activism that's gone on, it's really depressed me. Um, you know, it made me feel, you know, sort of like, you know, damn, what, what did I do? You know, did I really, did I really, did I really make a difference? You know, did I really do something, you know? And I know, you know, Ronald Reagan has famously said that, you know, service members don't have to, um, you know, question whether or not they made a difference because they made a difference, you know, but, but kind of looking at it through the lens of, um, some of the things that we see happening today, um, sometimes I've, I've questioned that, you know, particularly over the last year or two. Um, uh, but, but, I, but, but, you know, there's no other country I'd rather be in. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, Canada or England or any place else, you know, this is my home. And, um, you know, I, I know that I made some, I made a difference, you know, in the service and, you know, if I can make a difference here in my community, then I'm looking to do that. You know, one of the things I was able to do this last year is, um, participate in the um, election process. And, um, you know, I, I got so tired of hearing on TV how the election is rigged and, and things like that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be part of this and I'll, I'll be damned if the election is going to be rigged, not on my watch. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, you know, everything that I saw and everything that I did, man, let me tell you, it couldn't have been um, anything but uh, an event um, filled with integrity and quality assurance, um, um, uh, observation spots. And you know what I mean? If you're talking about QA, pa- I'm, I'm talk- talking more about QA packages in the, in the military where you got to do quality work and where an inspector has to look in and make sure that something's being done properly. Same thing in the election process. There were QA steps where, you know, supervisors had to look in to make sure that things were, 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 be- were being done correctly. And the, the process, you know, from all that I've seen, you know, was was completed in a way that no one could ever doubt the integrity of the process. So when I hear people say that the election was rigged or something like that happened, I'm like, no, nah, not, not, nope, nope, yeah. not here. No, no way in the world. Nope, not because because trust me, trust me. If if I saw somebody rigging something, I'd have, I'd have been on the TV. I'd have been I'd have been the first one on TV talking about this is bullshit. And you know, hey, you guys got to come and investigate this shit because I am not going to be a part of anything that you know, um, you know, when it comes to something that important, you know, uh, I'm not going to be a part of something. I'm not, I'm not, you know, if you, if you look into me to cover something up, nah, son, (laughs) I ain't covering up nothing. You know what I mean? It's just too important. So being out of the military allowed me to have that uh, experience and also being able to serve on a, a grand, a grand jury. Um, not, not that I was looking forward to, you know, that's deciding, um, you know, whether or not a case went to a jury trial, but just to be able to, as a citizen, to participate in the process, uh, made me feel great, you know. So, um, 
you know, I, I do miss the, the service. I do miss the Navy and a lot of the things that the Navy provided, and, and especially the camaraderie, especially that. Um, but and so if they called me, I, I would come back. But I would I would really question, like, you guys sure you want me to <laughs> do this? You know, OK, all right, well, let's, let's do it. You know, let's do it. I probably have to spend a million dollars on on uniforms because uh, right. <laughs> I, I, man, when I walk around, I'm like, damn, what are they wearing now? man? Yeah, right. <laughs> Man, those things, those things get expensive, dude. Oh yeah, super man. expensive. I had to actually buy a brand new set of whites right before I got out because oh, of the, uh, changing the the uh, I fucking forgot what what he was what what it's even called. Change of command. Wow. Yeah, change of command. Wow. I was like, can I just? I was literally like a week out or something like oh, that. They yeah. said nah. Yeah, you know, you know what they said? Nah, man, we let you go to that Skillbridge program, yep. so you yep. give us some fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're like, you're gonna have to suck it up and buy them. Yeah, and I'm all like, right. literally the next week, I was I was going to the Skillbridge program. I'm like, shh, this is so dumb. Anyways, <laughs> dude, a man of pride for his country, a compassionate person uh, with a really big heart. Slight Edge, Sean T. Lewis. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate this conversation. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. That's our show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>